With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. politics. Uh, certainly things don't change when campaigning is going on other than what's the current scandal, what's the newest gaffe, how are things going in general. We're going to talk a little bit about that with all of our guests, and today I am scheduled to be joined by Rod Eccles of the Rod Eccles Show. Uh, also, a little bit later in the show, we'll be joined by Josh Bernstein. We'll be talking primarily about Hillary, but we'll uh, cover a few other things there, too. And then after that, in the second hour, we will be talking to Mr. Ken Crow, co-founder of TeaPartyCommunity.com, an all-around political activist. And we'll be discussing primarily Donald Trump and his appeal to Tea Party folks, but we'll talk some other stuff as well. Uh, and in the meanwhile, let's just go ahead and jump into things. Uh, joining us now on the line is Mr. Rod Eccles. Rod, how are you? Good afternoon. I'm good. How are you, Tim? I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. Uh, first and foremost, before we go any further, I want to go ahead and offer you my personal condolences towards the passing of your father. Uh, Thank you very much. It's, that's really appreciated. Right. I, it, I went on family vacation, was completely unplugged for a little bit over a week, and then in the process of trying to get caught back up with everything I missed, uh, I reached out to Lisa. Uh, who does a wonderful job, by the way. I'm always happy to, to contact her when trying to get a hold of you. And uh, you know, I, I had reached out to her about you coming back on before I had found out, uh, and it was that that night that I heard, and then I, the next morning uh, she got back in touch with me. So I just wanted to make sure. I, I lost my father just about a year ago myself, so I, I know how impactful that is, and uh, it's, it says a lot about your testament and your character that you continue to fight on for these causes, and I, I'm just glad to 
be able to talk with you today, sir. Uh, it is a pleasure being here. Uh, you know, as as I tell a lot of people, and 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 kind of interesting enough, I find that many liberals find find it very shocking and surprising that I, that I continually say that my father was my hero, and I'm that's just not something that I'm saying, but he really was. He was a he was a model for me as in life as well as in everything else. So yeah, it, it was a huge loss for my family. And I do appreciate everyone's um, con- condolences um, that has that has come ever since that. I know you've had my thoughts and prayers since then. Um, changing uh, the subject, uh, your show. You were on the verge of making some changes and some exciting things were happening. You weren't able to comment very much last time you were here uh, because – Everything wasn't exactly set in stone, but uh, you've had some exciting things happen with your show. Tell us a little bit about uh, everything that's been going on since then. Yeah, we've had some growth, a lot of growth, actually. We're now on 13 or 14 or 15 networks right now, uh, syndicated over that many networks. Uh, We're working on another big one. Uh, We haven't quite gotten there yet, so I'm really – at this particular point, I'm really kind of shy of – giving more details on it, but we're continually growing. And it's strictly because of, you know, people are tuning in and listening. Um, it isn't really anything else that, that we're doing so much as that I'm just being me on the air and the the program is growing by leaps and bounds. And I can see that pretty much not only in, in the, the people that are listening, the, the growth in the audience, but also on a lot of my social media people that are, that are just, finding me and following me. So that's it's pretty humbling, actually. Yeah. All right. Well, this, uh, it's always good uh, to know that your show is growing and that people are listening, that's for sure, especially when you are a voice for common sense, for conservative values. When you know that that message is resonating, it is both humbling and it's also invigorating at the same time. I, I get the same to a much lesser extent. Uh, your audience has far surpassed mine rather quickly. Uh, although you've been at it for a long time, it's not like this was an overnight thing. People tend to think overnight success, boom, you come out of nowhere. You've been working hard for a long time to make that happen, and people never seem to realize that. But uh, it, <laughs> Yeah, well, it's hard to believe that it's actually been that long, but I did start back in March of 2009. So, yeah, it has been a while. Yeah. All right, let's get to some of the topics of the past week because I always love to hear your take on it. And uh, let's go ahead. You know, the the biggest stories going on right now, of course, are between the Hillary scandal and uh, Trump continuing to surge. So let's start with Hillary. What's your general takeaways and impressions so far with the uh, server scandal? You know, this was something that uh, when it first broke, it was you know she could poo-poo it and set it aside and and say at point, well, this is nothing more than a GOP witch hunt, you know, they're just because they know I'm going to run for president, so they're just trying to do anything that they possibly can to try to derail me. Well, we've learned since then that that is far from the facts, and that this is no longer a GOP witch hunt. This has um, grown into a full-blown investigation, and some people don't like to admit it, especially on the left, but this is now a full-blown criminal investigation, because when you get the FBI involved, it has nothing to do with left or right politics. It has everything to do with possible criminality. And uh, so even in spite of what the Justice Department, Obama's Justice Department, is doing or not doing in this, if it gets to the point where the FBI is saying, 
there were some serious crimes that were committed here. The Department of Justice isn't really going to have much leeway as to what they do. In other words, they're not. They're going to have their hands tied, and they're almost 100% likely going to have to charge Hillary with a crime if the FBI says that a crime was committed here. And that's that's not GOP and you know right wing conspiracy stuff. This is what she did, or possibly did, and this is what the FBI is looking into. What is it if you had to just kind of extrapolate based on your gut feelings? What is it you think? she was trying to hide because there's obviously been an effort to conceal certain emails. Is it just the fact that top secret information was going on in violation of federal law or was there something deeper uh, just based on your gut feeling? I know this is just uh, extrapolation at this point, but, but what do you feel like was really going on with this? Tim, there's a lot going on there. There really is, which is why she needed to wipe, have the time to wipe that server. Uh, we also know that there is some uh, – no, no, I must add that we can't prove any criminality behind this part, but we know that there is some sort of pay-to-play thing with her and her husband and the Clinton Foundation, you know, their, their supposed uh, uh, nonprofit organization. But we know that there are a lot of donations given by foreign entities, some of them not, not necessarily very friendly to U.S. interests and that they got certain special favors after these donations were made. And those donations could have come in the form of, oh, all of a sudden we're just going to have, you know, former President Bill Clinton speak at our event, uh, and we'll create a of an event for, for Bill to speak at, and we'll give him, uh, you know, half a million to a million dollars to speak. Well, that doesn't happen normally for a former president. They don't command those kind of those kind of fees. But Bill Clinton often does. And a lot of that money has supposedly been going into the, the Clinton Foundation. Well, after that, we start seeing a lot of important issues for certain entities around the world get passed or get through or get on to the next level because the State Department got involved because that's what they're supposed to be involved in. And it's during her tenure as Secretary of State. So there's a lot of shady stuff there, and I am sure that because she was using her private server, a lot of that shady information was going back and forth through that server and not the official government server or State Department server, which is, again, why she needed to wipe the server clean to a point where it was most likely going to be unrecoverable. Uh, and, you know, again, you can't prove it or cover any of that data off of it, but it really makes you think what, you know, she's, her and Bill are not stupid. Uh, in spite of what people might say, they're not stupid. They've been through this dog and pony show before. They know what they're doing when it comes to hiding stuff. So I am convinced that that is what they were doing. And that if we were actually able to recover some of that, it might be highly incriminating, and it would definitely end her political career. Well, I know as far as I'm concerned, that couldn't happen a moment too soon, but uh, we've still got a ways to go to prove any of it. Um, let's go ahead and switch gears again uh, and talk about Trump a little bit. Um, you know, I'm very skeptical of the Trump uh, campaign myself, but I've seen a lot of folks – Conservatives really jumped behind him partially because of the message. 
What do you feel like is the real driving force behind this tremendous campaign that Trump's running at this point? Trump is hitting on all eight cylinders of what the American people are feeling and thinking at the moment. They don't, you know, the GOP doesn't, um, well, the conservative uh, base and the conservative side of the Republican Party, we are tired of listening to and hearing a bunch of very highly polished professional politicians telling us what, what they think that we want to hear. When in truth is, we really want the truth of what's actually going on out there. And we want them to be unapologetic of that truth. And Trump has hit that court. And the reason why I can say that with confidence is because now you're seeing some of the GOP candidates trying to emulate Bush, or excuse me, uh, Trump, by saying the same things that Trump is saying and saying it in a way that Trump is saying it. And they're not, when they're, when they're pressed or questioned on it by the lamestream media, they're not, not only are they not backing away from it, they're doubling down on it. And oftentimes you're starting to hear some frustration and anger come from the GOP candidates where you never heard that before. So they're, they're on the right track. And this is what the American people want. They want to know the truth. Even if they don't like it, they're tired of the same old polished professional politicians telling them one thing, and then they elect them, and then getting into office and doing something totally different, and then telling us totally something totally different once they get in office. Well, you know, it's definitely extremely refreshing to hear somebody stand up and say, "We don't have time for political correctness." That that alone is enough to make me stand up and applaud what he's saying. I just still have some concerns about where his policies were not that long ago. But, you know, I would love to be able to be convinced that he's had an epiphany and that he's changed all that legitimately. And I would love to be able to get behind him at some point. I'm just not quite there yet myself. But uh, unlike a lot of people, I'm not condemning anybody who is. I, I can't believe how divisive this has been for some people uh, who ordinarily are on the same side when it comes to. Uh, let's get a conservative message out. Let's get behind a candidate, but let's do the here's the primaries. This is when we discuss, vet, figure out who's the best option. I've seen a lot of people divided by this. Have you seen the same kind of thing? Yeah, and, and you know, I have. And the reason is, is because they don't view Trump as being a full fledged conservative, constitutional conservative. I get it. I understand it. To understand is, is Trump is, is a highly successful, motivated, businessman first that's what he is that's what he's campaigning as he's not campaigning as a constitutional conservative he's campaigning is is that i'm a very successful businessman i know how i know how to negotiate and more than just with my own country i know how to negotiate with other governments and other people in foreign countries i know what necessarily needs to be done in order to get this country on the right track because i look at it from a business standpoint now, what, what a lot of conservatives have to understand is that big and small business in this country is not necessarily what we would construe to be fully and totally conservative uh, because they have survival instincts in there, and they have to do whatever they think is necessary in order to keep their business alive and growing. That's the same with Trump. So when he gets into office, whether you agree with him or not, uh, and I don't agree with him 100%, but he's got this natural survival instinct in him that he's automatically going to utilize 
in any dealings that he has with any foreign entity, which, by the way, I might say, is actually a good thing for us because he's not really thinking about, you know, how the other side is going to feel about this. He's thinking about the survival of himself, his family, and his country so it can continue. And that's the kind of president that we need. We seem to have lost that in a lot of the candidates over this over the, the past few years. And I think Trump brings that back to a certain degree. Well, that's definitely something that I can get behind. And I know you've got time constraints. You've got to go. Uh, we were only scheduled for about 15 minutes, but I did have one more quick question, if you didn't mind me asking. Sure. Is there is there any other stories right now, maybe even flying below the radar, that you feel like Americans need to be paying a little more attention to? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think, well, I think there's a lot of stuff that's already, you know, out there that is above the radar, if you will. And the, the one of the things that you have to really pay attention to is what the Obama administration is and is not doing at the moment. Because, like it or not, they are highly involved in this current presidential campaign. And I do not believe that Barack Hussein Obama wants Hillary Clinton to be his next person in line for the presidency. So you have to pay attention to who they might be backing, even even if it's covertly. You have to pay attention. Are they really pushing Joe Biden to, to jump in the race to take over for Hillary? Because the Democrats are running scared of Hillary right now, and they need to find a replacement. But they also know that they cannot depend on the man from Vermont uh, by the name of Bernie Sanders because he's too far left, too socialist. Even though they might like, they might like that. Uh, but they need somebody in there that is going to be able to persuade the American people that all the policies that Barack Obama has already put in place need to stay, especially Obamacare. Because I can tell you, if you get a certain type of conservative elected as president, Obamacare should be gone. And although there are some people are, that are questioning about, well, you know, if Trump gets in there, is he really going to abolish it? And trust me, if you get a real conservative in there, Obamacare, as we know it, is gone. The problem is, is will they want to replace it with something that's similar, that something you know re- Republicans are are in, are in charge of? But for the most part, I think the the big thing right now that is what is actually going on with Hillary Clinton and where the Obama administration and Barack Obama stands on the issue of Hillary Clinton. I think we're going to see a lot more of that come out as the uh, the campaign continues and unfolds a little bit more. 
All right. Well, again, Rod, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I know you've got to be going. Uh, real quick, though, for anybody who might be listening who hasn't found your show yet and wants to find you, where can they find the Rod Eccles Show? They can find the, the two main places are RodEccles.net and, of course, the Rod Eccles Show on Facebook. All right. Again, thanks very much. I appreciate you giving up part of your Sundays. I know you've got a very busy schedule, and it's always a pleasure and an honor to have you on, sir. God bless. Thanks, Tim. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Rod Eccles of the Rod Eccles Show. Uh, and as you can see, uh, very clear, concise. He's got his fingers on the pulse, so to speak. And that's part of why his listenership continues to grow. And I highly recommend, if you're not already listening to Rod, find his show and listen to it. <laughs> you won't be disappointed. Uh, trust me, if you're listening to my show on a regular basis, you're going to love what you'll hear from him. In the meanwhile, I uh, wanted to go ahead and touch on a few other things uh, noteworthy here. In just a few minutes, we will be uh, picking up with Josh Bernstein, and we will be talking a little more in-depth about the Hillary campaign and where it's going, and we'll probably still touch a little bit about the general elections uh, as well on both sides. But uh, before he gets here, I did want to talk a little bit about where the most recent uh, part of the Hillary saga has went to involving cell phones for some of her top advisors and how they've just disappeared. There's a reason why they've just disappeared. This is an extension, or at least from what I can tell, the way it looks to me. This seems to be just an extension, a continuation, if you will, of what has already transpired with the server. Why? Well, since just before the mass use of what we refer to as smartphones now, cell phones had really become just a unique interface computer. We just get more and more computational power. People are using their phones for emails, apps, electronic communications of all kinds. My guess is, is that there were things on those phones that could be just as damning as what we might have found on Hillary's private server. My guess, and of course this is just speculation on my part, nothing that I can prove, and until the phones pop up, it would be difficult for anyone to prove. But my guess is there were communications, some of which maybe even should have been classified either to exactly what Rod just pointed towards in regards to the pay-to-play type of activity between the State Department and the Clinton Foundation, and possibly even strategies for dealing with Benghazi. I tend to think that that plays into this scenario quite a bit too, because the bottom line is what was going on in Benghazi was illegal. And knowingly participating in that would open you up to criminal charges as well. I had a conversation this past week with an individual who evidently has been a closet Hillary supporter, and this lady was talking to someone else, but I was there and part of the conversation. And uh, she was asking the other person, would you vote for Donald Trump since we were having the political discussion? And he's like, uh, I think I could. 
Trump obviously not his first choice uh, either. Then she was like, well, what about Hillary Clinton? And you could literally see this backing up revulsion at even the question. He's like, no, I don't think I could do that. And then her response is, because she's a woman? At that point, I couldn't hold it anymore. I had to chime in rather forcefully, I'm afraid, because I had been holding back anyway. I was letting them have this part of the company because they were talking back and forth. But I had to chime in at this point. My response to the because she's a woman remark, how about because she's a criminal? Because that is exactly what she is, as Rod alluded to earlier, and as I'm sure Josh will bring up when he comes on here in just a few minutes. The Clintons are smart, and they have been doing this for a while. There's been a lot of things that have happened around the Clintons that are criminal, and somehow none of it's managed to stick. In fact, I've referred to them as being Teflon more than a couple of times because they are no stick. Some of it, minor stuff that's not even criminal offense, but raises questions of ethics. Some of it, legitimately criminal. The even conspiracies out there that they've had people killed. Now, I don't know how much to put into those conspiracies, but it does seem odd that friends of theirs have turned up dead in the fashion they have. But that's where conspiracy theories are born. Strange coincidences, things that are difficult to to explain. Does that mean it's not the truth? No, but I can't go on board with saying it is the truth because I don't know. Bottom line is lots of things I do know has happened. Lots of things I do know goes directly back to Bill and Hillary. Hillary more often than Bill, actually. I know that they are real, and I know that she's done it. We have seen – there's been plenty of proof, but never enough proof in anything that's criminal they would be able to get a conviction. So nobody ever even pushes it. They've been in a position of power and authority for too long. There's not much that can be done in situations like that. But uh, as we're looking at this, we do see this. It's almost identical to uh, the last presidential cycle. Hillary had this early lead. She looked like it was all hers to have. But the bottom line is people don't like Hillary, and I think that's because she doesn't like people. That's why they've had these forced, contrived, controlled interactions where they plant people for her to interact with, and why every time you see her smile, it seems so forced and unnatural. I don't think she likes people. That makes it hard to get out and get among them. She's not a particularly good politician. A good politician knows how to get out and work a crowd, work a room. Bill, tremendous politician. Hillary, not so much. In fact, her approval numbers since this campaign election cycle started have been pretty consistent. When she's not in front of a camera, when she's not saying things, when she's not in the limelight, her approval numbers creep up. But whenever she makes a public appearance, she says something publicly, her numbers drop off because the more people see her, the more they're reminded of how little they like her. I think we're going to see somebody else have to step up. The question mark is who is it going to be? 
the rumors swirl about Joe Biden. Been hearing more and more about the possibility of Al Gore coming back out. And I know we've mentioned that previously. We've talked about that being a possibility. I don't know where it's going. I don't think that the Democratic Party as a whole really wants Bernie Sanders, but I do know for a fact that Bernie is kind of cashing in a little bit on the same phenomenon we see with Trump. Trump is out there, and he's at the very least giving the appearance of being honest about who he is and unapologetic. Bernie Sanders does that, and he's part of that old guard for the Democratic Party, the true socialist. He doesn't back away from it. He embraces the title. He doesn't apologize for it, and so that's part of his popularity. There's a good percentage of the Democratic Party right now that would embrace a full socialist, but most of the party is still smart enough to know that America as a whole, even though they're getting closer and closer, isn't quite ready to elect a professed known socialist. It's still not where we're at yet as a nation, not as a whole. But the sad thing is I think we have seen from the history of the last few presidential election cycles that even if it was Bernie Sanders who got the Democratic nomination, he would still easily capture 46 to 48% of the vote, maybe more. As a country, we have more and more people who have embraced the ideas of letting the government take care of me without putting much thought into the fact that there is a tipping point where the government can no longer collect enough to do that. We've got to re-embrace teaching our youth the importance of being self-sufficient, period, end of discussion. And when you embrace that, then you move away from the ideas and the concepts of socialism. I mean, it sounds all warm and fuzzy and fair, but in truth, there is no way to accomplish fairness in a socialist society. You're always going to have the bourgeois class who feels like they're entitled to their share just by virtue of being intellectual or rich. And then you're going to have the working class that are always going to have to support everyone else in that society. So while they claim fairness… They promise fairness. They promise utopia. Bottom line is they can only offer ever-worsening conditions for those at the bottom and slowly worsening conditions for those at the top. As Margaret Thatcher said famously, the problem with socialism is eventually you run out of everyone else's money. That's my thought on that. We'll see where it goes. Meanwhile, the campaign continues. Here in just a few minutes, we will have Josh Bernstein on, and I'm looking forward to talking to him about all things Hillary and getting his impression on a few other things. And then in the second hour, we will be talking to Ken Crow, Tea Party community co-founder and all-around political activist. And he is somebody who has embraced the Donald. And I'm looking forward to having our conversation. I talked to him for a few minutes earlier this week. Uh, and uh, he's passionate about it. He's he's on board. He's on the Donald train, and he's actively campaigning for him. And the whole nine doesn't work for him, work for him. But whenever he has a chance to tell anybody about him, he is telling people about him. And I I applaud him because he's there. Like I said, I'm not going to 
completely convinced he knows where I'm at. I'm going to ask him some of the uh, devil's advocate questions, and we'll kind of go from there. He's going to have a chance to to have his say, though. And you know, I, I think it's important we have these conversations at this point. It's highly important to have the conversations because otherwise, how do we know who we're voting for? We get these nice, neat little media packages. We get shown and told and taught who these people are pretending to be. They tell us one thing when they're campaigning, and then their voting records, their personal statements, things of this nature rarely get discussed because they happen, then they're gone. They're fleeting. They're in the wind. Now, since the advent of television and uh, the further activity of uh, our ability to record and maintain and store these events. You know, we can go back further than we ever have been able to before. And in the process, we can save information and we can bring up information that people have maybe forgotten. Political conversions often profound and sometimes they're very long-lasting, and sometimes we see conversions of political expediency. Americans are looking for a truth-teller. Americans are looking for somebody who are going to stand up and fight for them, not back down, not play like we have to be mindful of everyone else's feelings. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. We keep being told that we have to be more sensitive. We keep being told that we have to act a certain way and behave a certain way. But in truth, what we want is somebody who's tough. Who's going to be tough? Who's going to do the things that we know needs to get done in order to serve our best interests? That's what America wants instinctively, even if they don't consciously realize it. And I think that, as much as anything else, is behind the surge Trump. Well, the Trump surge. <laughs> Got those back. The Trump surge that continues to grow. We'll see where it takes us. We'll see where it goes. We'll see who gets the nomination. I personally am still supportive of uh, of Ted Cruz myself, but we'll get where we're going. And uh, now we're being joined live on the air by Josh King. Uh, Josh is 
the host of the Josh Bernstein Show. Uh, i got to tell you, Josh, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate you taking time out of your Sunday. Sure, no problem. All right, Josh, I, I got to, I'm really excited to get to talk to you. I've, I've been listening to you since your days with the Grit and Grace Show, uh, so I have been a longtime supporter. Uh, wow, that's going way but, back, huh? Uh, it is a little bit. It's been a few years, uh, but, uh, you know. Yeah, hey, I appreciate it. I'm very appreciative of all my fans. All right, well, let's let's go ahead and let's get into some of these questions. First of all, uh, this past week you did a phenomenal job of breaking down the whole Hillary Clinton private server scandal. Uh, I don't really want to have you rehash all of that, but I I know you're very passionate on this particular topic. You even made some headlines of your own when you stepped out and you called out Hillary as demanding that she suspend her campaign. What do you think is going to be the ultimate end result of this scandal, though? Well, that's a great question. I did. I, I did call her a major security risk. Uh, lots of papers picked up on it. Had a couple of write-ups on it. Um, she is. She's a major security risk. Um, I count a minimum of four felonies that she's guilty of. Unlawful removal of destruction of records, U.S. Code 18, Section 2071. Providing a false statement on official government forms, U.S. Code 18, Section 1001. Transfer or distribution of classified materials, U.S. Code 18, Section 793. And disclosure of sensitive or classified information, U.S. Code uh, 18, Section 798. That's just four right there. Uh, again, I'm not an attorney, um, but I believe there's at least eight or nine total that she may be guilty of that, uh, again, others have told me about. Um, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, F. Lee Bailey, famed defense attorney, and he basically said that um, she's definitely done a lot of wrong things. She's definitely uh, broken the law without question, he said. But the number one word and the $64,000 question is, can we prove beyond a reasonable doubt intent? He said that intent is going to make or break the case. And can we prove that she intentionally did all of these things, and what was her motive for having cert, you know, sensitive, classified, top-secret information on her personal server? That's going to be the question, is, is anyone going to convict her on intent? Uh, and again, I'm not an attorney, so I don't know. I think um, at a, you know, a best-case scenario, yes, uh, she'll be convicted, maybe go to prison. I doubt it, though, because Barack Obama, I'm sure – would pardon her on the way out the door as he's going to plan on doing to everybody else. But a uh, least situation would be that it would end her campaign and that it would be too much for her to overcome, which again is one of the reasons why they are pushing so hard the uh, White House is for Joe Biden and or Elizabeth Warren to get involved into the, uh, the camp. As a matter of fact, the rumblings that I'm hearing right now is a Biden-Warren uh, ticket is what they're trying to uh, accomplish. Well, I don't think there's any question. Uh, for some time I've been saying, I think the Democratic Party, in its heart of hearts, wants somebody other than Hillary. I don't think Barack could have overtaken her in the last cycle when she ran uh, if they didn't. Um, do you think there's a high likelihood of a Biden-Warren ticket, or is this still just informative stages and they're still not sure where to go? Well, let's look at uh, Joe Biden for a minute. Joe, Joe Biden has run uh, in 1988, didn't go out so well. Uh, he ran in 2008, didn't work so well. 
So this would be the third time that he would be running for president. Uh, as I've said before on past shows, uh, you know, never a bride, always a bridesmaid for Joe. I also have said that, um, you know, this guy, these are not gaffes that he's saying. He's not running around saying Republicans are going to keep you all in chains as a gaffe. Uh, I personally think that he has dementia issues. And if the Republicans were smart, they would demand competency tests. And they should have done that way back when in 2008, but they didn't. They ought to demand competency tests right now to even see if he's fit to even run for president, because I believe he has Alzheimer's disease and or dementia. But that being said, assuming that he can run, uh, he's a total gaffe machine. Uh, again, I think it's more dementia than anything else. So more than likely, he's going to say something you know that's going to be crazy or stupid and you know, maybe, just maybe, that'll do him in. I, I don't know. I think that the strength of that ticket, if they did combine each other, would be uh, Elizabeth Warren as a as a left-wing radical attack dog running around the country in all the different swing states saying how we're close to completing our mission of fundamentally transforming America, and therefore we need uh, someone like me and Joe to finish the uh, the job. Um but it would be interesting. Look, uh, Donald Trump is, uh, is, is doing great, and I like Donald Trump, and I like Ted Cruz a lot, the two of them. I think at some point they may even coalesce and, and come together as a very strong ticket, but we'll see what happens with that. All right. Well, I, I want to talk to you a little more about that here in a little bit. I did have one more question uh, in still regards with the uh, Clinton scandal. Uh, now these phones for her top aides have went missing, and – I think a lot of people are having difficulty understanding why that would be important. What's the latest on that as far as what you've heard, and why is that important? Well, when this story first broke, I was one of the first people out there that said, we need to do a no-knock warrant, knock on her door, tell her to put down her coffee and, and, uh, and crimpets, and uh, go in there and take every single piece of electronic equipment in her house in New York, her computer, her server, her email, her phones, her uh, thumb drives, you know, everything. Take it all in one shot so she didn't have an opportunity to, uh, to erase everything. I remember when the story broke and they weren't doing that, I did a, I did a show and I said, while we're speaking right now, there is somebody, including Hillary Clinton, right now in New York, scrubbing her server right now as we speak. And more than likely, I was correct. I also said that they need to subpoena her top 50 uh, affiliates and friends, including even John McCain, uh, John Kerry, Barack Obama, Uma Abedin, Cheryl Mills, the whole gang, all of her associates, all of her assistants, everybody at the State Department. They should have done the same thing. They should have subpoenaed all of their information immediately. They didn't do that. They let this thing linger. They let it wait, and therefore the attorneys and Hillary and everybody else were able to group everybody together and talk about what's going on, and here's what you need to do immediately to try to hide all the evidence. I believe that conversation took place. There's no question in my mind that conversation took place, and more than likely it was probably directed by Bill Clinton, the king of scandals. So when you take all that into consideration, there's going to be some information out there that may or may not – be retrievable. But understand this, just like uh, Bob Woodward said, if the emails are coming in, the emails are going out, meaning that these people, whether they're in the United States or in China or Russia or anywhere else, they have these emails. Okay, These emails are there. And if she does somehow miraculously survive 
and win the, the nomination for her party. I can guarantee you, because I know people that have these emails, which I can't divulge, that that would be an October surprise, without a doubt. All right. Well, let's go ahead and switch gears a little bit then. Uh, let's look a little bit at the Republican side of things. You've already mentioned, and I've heard you say several times, you like Trump, you like Cruz, and you've talked about not knowing enough about Jindal at this point. Uh, as far as this yes. field is concerned, who do you think would make the best uh, team other than uh, what you've already mentioned, the possibility of a Trump-Cruz team-up? Well, I really like uh, Bobby Jindal, as I mentioned, and I really like Alan West as well. I think that uh, he would be phenomenal in a lot of respects, especially with all the dangerous situations we find ourselves in with the military and ISIS and Iran and you know the new Russian-Chinese alliance that's uh, been forming and the now the new battle that's been going on and raging that people aren't talking about between the North and South Koreas that are fighting near the uh, DMZ here recently. So I think there's a lot of dangerous uh, activity, if you will, going on, Sunni Shia, the whole bit. So I'd like to see someone like an Alan West. I think that uh, even if he jumped in to, to run for president, he'd be you know fantastic, phenomenal as a candidate. But that being said, I like anybody that's a, an anti-establishment, anti-rhino candidate. Um, we are in some dire situation right now, and we need someone that's going to shake things up. To my knowledge, there's only really two candidates that would be willing, maybe three, you could count Scott Walker, although he's been a little soft lately on some, you know, important issues. But for me, you know, Donald Trump and Ted Cruz have been the most outspoken against the Washington cartel, as Ted Cruz calls it. And Donald Trump has been so politically incorrect that, you know, he makes me jealous. <laughs> and I, I just love that about him. I love his attitude. I like the attitude that he goes, you want a fence? I build buildings for a living. I make the most beautiful buildings. Trust me, I can build you a fence. You want a fence? I'll build you a fence. I like that kind of nonchalant can-do attitude. And he's not backing down, and I think that that's really, really good. And I started you know, looking into you know, how he was able to resonate and continue to be able to say the things that he says when normally any other candidate that would have said even one thirty-second of what he has said – would have been dead and buried, would have had their campaigns ended, and more, more than likely even their careers. But yet he can say these things. He can talk about how China cheats and how Mexico's leaders are smarter than ours, and he can talk about how McCain is not a war hero, and he can give out Lindsey Graham's phone number, and he can say that Megyn Kelly has blood coming from her orifices. He can do all of these pretty outrageous, bombastic, obnoxious, and in-your-face type of things, and yet it still resonates with the people. And the reason that that is happening, and again, I don't think anybody in the media has covered this or even touched this, is because we are conditioned by Donald Trump. We've known him for 25, 30 years. We're used to his bombastic attitude and his, uh, his abrasiveness and his tone. Now, granted, it might not have been the exact same thing that we saw and heard on The Apprentice, but we weren't watching The Apprentice to find out who he was going to hire. We were watching The Apprentice to find out who he was going to fire. And so when you put all that, those elements together, we've been conditioned over time to accept Donald Trump for who he is, much like uh, crazy Uncle Joe Biden. You know, he says these things and we go, oh, well, that's just Joe Biden. We've known him for 35, 40 years. 
So these two candidates can get away with saying some of those things. Right. Well, there's no question Trump is a master when it comes to branding, and the number one thing he likes to brand is himself. He has definitely done that, mm -hmm. and you're absolutely right as far as the conditioning over the time. And uh, I was joking around with some folks just the other day, and I said, come on, Trump would be great on foreign policy. I imagine he calls up the mullah in Iran. He's got his finger hovering over the button and says, you're fired, and pushes it. You know, how great would that be? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, look, hey, I agree. You know, look, the only person, and I've said this before, the only person – uh, the the establishment can't beat Donald Trump. The media can't beat Donald Trump. The RNC can't beat Donald Trump. Nobody can beat Donald Trump except for one person, and that's Donald Trump. And he's either going to do two things. He's he's either going to be our next president in the United States, in my opinion, or he's going to self-implode. He'll say something so outrageous, so egregious, so obnoxious that it just undoes everything. I don't foresee that happening because I think he's pretty smart. I know the campaign. I know some of the people that he has around him, and uh, I just don't think that's going to happen. And he has been able to build a pretty broad coalition of supporters, including, surprisingly enough, uh, evangelical Christians and uh, and some folks that normally wouldn't vote for someone like him. They are uh, they are definitely in his camp. So, again, if he runs 24, 25 percent for the next three or four months. Uh, you know, you're you're really looking at a at a battle for anyone else to even come close to him. Right. In fact, I was I forget who it was now, but I came across an article this morning when I was doing show prep, and one poll now has Trump at 33 percent, which is an outrageously huge number considering how many people are still in this field. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It is when you've got 17, 18 people, or whatever it is, 16, 17 people. In the field, that is amazing because, you know, look, if a if a Perry, a Christie, a Paul and, uh, you know, a uh, Kasich and a Gilmore and, you know, and, and a Pataki all drop out. Now you only have seven or eight or nine or ten left. Now, who's going to get a lot of that support? More than likely Trump. So, right. you know, if he hits any number even close to 50 percent. And anybody else is down in the 18 or 20 percent. It's over at that point. It's just over because. And then if you look at the polls, who's your set? Who's your first choice? It might be Ted Cruz. It might be Scott Walker. It might be Ben Carson. And then they all say the same thing. Who's your second choice? Trump. Who's your second choice? Trump. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So again, he's got the second choice uh, candidacy, if you will, locked up. So there's a lot of people that like Ted Cruz, for instance. 
And I've been trying to tell people online that, look, if you're a fan of Ted Cruz, then you need to support Donald Trump to a degree. And if you're a fan of Donald Trump, you've got to support Ted Cruz because more than likely they're going to be the last two standing and more than likely they may even team up. Well, it certainly makes sense uh, as far as from the outcome of who has stood up the most. I am a Ted Cruz uh, man myself. Uh, I was impressed from the, mm-hmm. the moment he, he stood up with the 22-plus hour uh, filibuster, doing it the right way, not just threatening the filibuster mm-hmm. like the Democrats always do, and how he just took the short little break to tell a bedtime story to his children and then went right back to cogent poignant points about why Obamacare should not be funded, and then his own party turns on him, blaming him for negative press when the party leadership needs to get outside of the beltway and realize that most of America supported that movement, and and he's just – he's impressed me ever since. He's obviously – he's willing to stand up, and he's willing to stand for the Constitution and for the American people. That's who we need, and that's why I really liked uh, Cruz. Yeah. Well, I like Ted Cruz, too, a lot. I think he's an authentic conservative uh, reformer. He's very smart, um, and he is someone that uh, I really like the fact, like, for instance, when I saw him at the Iowa Freedom Summit, when he did his speech, he would say something, and then he'd say, don't tell me what you support or don't support. Show me where you voted for it. If you were against Obamacare, show me where you stood up and voted against it. If you were against illegal immigration, show me – you know what I mean? And he would do that a lot. So I really do like him a lot. Again, him and and, uh, and Trump are, are certainly uh, the two that uh, that I like the most. Now, but, you know, the Trump himself, Donald Trump, look, I, I don't, I'm not uh, – I don't have the wool over my eyes. This is not a conservative all right. I mean, he's had many positions, uh, you know, left-leaning positions, supporting Hillary Clinton, being in support of one-payer health care, uh, at some point being pro-choice as opposed to, uh, you know, pro-life. Um, he's even had some issues with guns. But when you look at that, they were years ago. One thing I'll say about Donald Trump is he's been consistent. And the reason I say that is I found a video from 1988, okay, 27 years ago, and it was on the Oprah Winfrey show. And on the show, he had hair, of course, and he was a younger guy. And uh, they were talking about something back and forth, and now he's talking about how China cheats, right? Well, back then, he was talking about how Japan cheats. And again, this is 1988, and he's going, Japan is killing us in trade. Japan is doing this. We can't build a car anymore. Now, this, again, is 1988. So finally, Oprah interjects, and she says, Donald, this sounds a lot like political talk, like, uh, like presidential aspirations. Would you want to run? And then right then and there, he said, I don't think so. You know, I would never rule it out completely, but I don't have any you know, desire to run for president right now. But he did say this. He said, if it ever got to the point where America was failing and I felt like I needed to make it great again, I would. Now, he said that in 1988. So again, he's always been pro-America. Okay, He may have been a little leftist on some policies here and there, but he's always had America's best interest at heart, and that's something that, uh, that I've taken to heart, and also the fact that the American people know that he loves and cares about the country. So I think over time he may have metamorphosized into more of an independent, if not a conservative, and for me that's enough. I would feel a little bit better if he – 
talked a little bit more along the times of being a constitutionalist myself. I like people that stand on principle, mm-hmm. and that's the principle of trying to save the republic. And so I, I'm not completely sold on Trump yet, but I am I'm I'm listening. I want to be convinced. I want to believe that he means yeah. what he says, especially especially now that it looks like he's in a very strong position to be the guy that gets the nod, even though the RNC definitely don't want that to be the case. No, they're planning on doing a money bomb uh, after Labor Day, which to me is just insane. I mean, you have not, you have all these resources that you have to fight the left, but instead you're going to use it to fight the person who's winning the nomination, clearly. Uh, like I said earlier, I mean, they would rather lose with Jeb Bush than win with Donald Trump. To me, that's just insane. But ultimately, I do, I do hope he says the pledge – not to not to run as a independent. I wasn't upset with that question. I was upset with the tone of the question and how they asked it right off the bat like that. But I wasn't upset the fact that they asked that question. I think it's a legitimate question, and I certainly wouldn't want to see him run as an independent at all, because we know that if he runs as an independent, you know, you're giving it to the Democrats, plain and simple. And then we'd have another situation like Ross Perot. We don't want that. So I do hope that he does sign the pledge and runs as a Republican. I can't agree with you more on that. Uh, I want to change gears one more time. I know you've got some time constraints, and you'll have to be going here in a little bit. But I had uh, one more question I really wanted to kind of hit you up with here, and that is the same thing I asked Rod earlier. Uh, are there any other stories, maybe even something below the radar right now, that America should be paying more attention to? Well, I mean, I guess it just depends on on what and how. I, I think at this point right now, race relations in, in America are are horrific. We are seeing the more violent, the most violent uh, episodes happening all over the country. I mean, just the other day, a 70 year old lady was robbed at a, at a at a church. Someone just ran in on camera and just beat her over the head, took her purse, and left. We just saw a, a fight over an umbrella in Brooklyn, New York. And then this guy turns around and stabs this woman in the back and, and kills her boyfriend right there on the street over an umbrella. Uh, we've seen a, another video in which a guy's just walking down the street and some animal thug idiot takes a baseball bat and just hits him from behind once in the head and kills him. Uh, I think race relations have been absolutely horrible, and I blame it all on the uh, president completely. He had an opportunity to unite us and instead has divided us through race, through uh, you know, um, economic status, through, through um, you know, class and, and everything else. And uh, I think we've really got to worry about that because we've seen what happened in, uh, in Ferguson. We've seen what happens in Baltimore. We've got this you know, Black Lives Matter, as I've been calling it, and, and Sheriff Clark has been calling it. You've got the Communist U.S. Party uh, fanning the flames. You've got George Soros behind the scenes fanning the flames against uh, white, you know, white hatred and everything else. And uh, it's really getting to a head. And I'm I'm really scared and nervous about the fact that uh, these folks are growing in numbers, and um, you know, they're destroying not only their neighborhoods, but they're starting to really be more aggressive. And taking it out on people that are that are white, and now you have this whole other movement of white guilt. Where I saw a picture of these white people, like literally chained themselves to each other and had their heads down in shame, and their T-shirts said "white guilt." 
I'm thinking, what the hell is, you know, what is going on in this society where we're being guilted into the fact that we're white? Uh, it's just liberalism ran amok. It's very dangerous. And uh, if we don't write this thing here soon in the next 16, 17 months, uh, you know, we're going to be in for some very, very turbulent times. Well, there's no question that uh, we need to find some way to get race relations back on track. And I think the only thing we can do that is by solving some of the current economic issues. Because once everybody starts feeling like they have something that they can work for and work towards, then suddenly they're not sitting around blaming mm -hmm. everybody for why everything's went wrong. I mean, there's always still going to be that percentage who don't want to take personal responsibility. But I don't think most people fall into that category. Right. Well, I think that one of the things that's lacking, and, and I will give one candidate in particular a lot of credit, even though I'm not a big supporter, and that's Rand Paul. Rand Paul has been intelligent enough and brave enough to go and fight in normal areas where Republicans would never show their face, you know, in the slums of Detroit, in uh, downtown D.C., you know, in Chicago. I mean, he's going into some areas that normally Republicans won't go into. And so I would commend him for that. But ultimately, the candidate, whoever it may be, whether it's Donald Trump or whoever, they need to be able to look the American people in the eye, and especially the left, the minority left, as far as blacks and Hispanics, and let them know in an articulate and intelligent way, why leftism and the liberal democratic party is not working for you. They have to be able to articulate that and explain that there is no such thing as a free ride, that anything that you are given by the government has strings attached to it. And you need to point out what those strings are, and those strings are typically your liberty. And we need someone that can articulate that in a certain way to the minority communities, the black communities, the Hispanic communities, so that they can be awoken to the fact of what is happening directly to them. Now, granted, there are some that have been awoken, but not nearly enough. Not when you have a situation when 95% of black America votes for the Democrat Party. Meanwhile, they're keeping them in economic slavery. And that needs to be exposed. Now, whatever that candidate is and who that may be, maybe it's Donald Trump. I don't know. Donald Trump, to me, is obviously someone who's uh, not politically correct, but I don't know if he has the depth and the intellect to get that deep into a situation and let you know those folks know how they're being duped and why they're being duped and what the alternative can be, which is liberty and freedom. So I think that's an important aspect for any presidential candidate moving forward. Well, I certainly can't disagree any at all there either. Uh, all right, Josh, again, thank you very much for coming on today. If anybody who is listening hasn't been listening to you yet, and I haven't helped them. I don't know why they wouldn't. Uh, I've been <laughs> telling everybody for a while, if you're not listening to Josh, you need to be. Where can they find you? Well, they can go to my website. And again, by the way, it was a pleasure being with you as well. Um, they can go to Josh Bernstein Political Writer com. all one word, Josh Bernstein Political Writer com. And this uh, September, actually, I believe uh, the last day or two in August, um, I'm going to reveal a brand new high-definition television show that, uh, that I will be doing. I've been doing a kind of a video show with a white curtain behind me um, from uh, Ustream, you know, just from my house. 
but my Tuesday show is now going to be upgraded to a full-on video TV production like you would see on Fox News or CNN as far as the quality is concerned. I'll be sitting at a professional news desk and, and the whole bit. So look for that within about a week. Um, and then again, if you want to learn more about me, you can just go to Google, put in Josh Bernstein radio talk show host. You'll find five or six pages of uh, information that way as well. All right. Uh, again, thank you very much for coming on today. I appreciate your time and uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to do it again soon. Okay. No problem. God bless. All right. God bless you as well. And thanks for being on. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Josh Bernstein. Uh, he is the host of his own show. I'm going to go ahead and take a little break right now. Like I said, though, if you're not already listening to Rod Eccles, if you're not already listening to Josh Bernstein, you need to. Josh Bernstein, one of the top 100 conservative talk shows according to toptalkers.com. And they keep a pretty close eye on that, by the way. Uh, I check it out every so often, occasionally hoping to see my own name, though, although I'm not really holding my breath. But uh, – it, they've got complete and comprehensive listings based on airtime, uh, listenership, the whole nine. Uh, Josh is one of the best in the business. He's been at it for a while. He's good. <laughs> All right. I am going to go ahead and take that break, and when we come back from break, we will be online with Ken Crow. So stay with us. We'll be right back. In the meanwhile, I'm going to be playing She Lies, well, you know, in honor of Hillary Clinton. We'll be right back. What you 
right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for staying with me through the break. Uh, we do have Mr. Ken Crow on the line. I uh, want to go ahead and personally thank Ken Crow for coming on. Uh, Ken Crow is one of the co-founders of the TeaPartyCommunity.com. He is a all-around political activist. He is passionate about saving America and preserving the republic, and it's an honor to have him on the show. Thanks for coming in today, sir. Thank you, Tim. It's an honor to be with you, my friend. Well, uh, I've always enjoyed talking to you the few times I've had the opportunity. Uh, and, you know, like I said, you are always on the cutting edge of Tea Party type issues, first and foremost. But first of all, I wanted to ask you what your general impressions of just the 2016 race on both the Democrat and Republican sides are. Uh, we can start with the Democrats, probably be easier since there are fewer people in the field. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my personal and very humble opinion. I think the Democrats' campaign for the White House in 2016 overall is beginning to fall apart. Uh, you've got Joe Biden saying, well, I might get in this. Now he's having secret meetings with Elizabeth Warren, who already said she would not get into the race. Now, apparently, maybe somewhere behind closed doors, She's rethinking her position because of the collapsing popularity of Hillary Clinton. Americans are just tired of being lied to by Clinton. I think O'Malley is a non-factor. The one person that I was a little concerned about was uh, Webb out of Virginia because he is a he's a conservative, blue dog sort of Democrat, but he doesn't seem to be gaining any traction. And it's kind of surprising. I Democrat Party has moved so far to the left that, you know, a JFK style of Democrat just isn't electable anymore, apparently, uh, because they're not giving this guy any credibility. And he's actually their one opportunity to win. He was a, uh, he's sort of a Bill Clinton style. Democrat, when Bill was early on in his first campaign, he ran as a conservative Democrat, and that's what got him over the top, and with a little help from Ross Perot, but at any rate, uh, he doesn't seem to be a factor, and Hillary seems to be collapsing and might very well be facing indictment charges over this email scandal. Right. That's my take on the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I've been of the opinion all along, and I've said it several times here on the show. Uh, the regular listeners certainly have heard me say it enough. I don't think the Democrats really want Hillary Clinton anyway. I don't think they ever did. Uh, I think in general, Hillary doesn't like people, and I think instinctively most folks pick up on that. Her poll numbers and her credibility, her likability numbers always drop every time she makes a public appearance or says something or does one of these staged events. I just don't think the Democrats like her any more than most conservatives do. Well, I I think they were doing for her sort of what the Republicans did last time around, well, the last two or three elections, where they said, you know, John McCain, you paid your dues. Here you go. We're going to make you the nominee. Mitt Romney, you paid your dues. Here you go. You're it, you know. Uh, and I think you're right. I think they were doing the same thing with her, and now they're rethinking and going, uh-oh, we've got a problem. Because here in Iowa, she's been uh, here, I don't know, four or five times recently. Her attendance is not 
what you would think it would be of somebody of her stature. She does not interact with the people. Uh, she walked in a parade here recently, and, you know, they had ropes around her. Uh, she just, she's not popular. She just is not popular. And I think you're right. I think that uh, she uh, is on the way out. At least I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it certainly couldn't happen fast enough for my taste. Uh, okay, <laughs> um, as, as as far as the full field for the Republicans, I mean, there are literally over 100 candidates for the Republican nomination if you look at every candidate at every state that have already gotten on board. Uh, we're looking typically at about 16 to 17, what we're calling top-tier candidates. What's your impression of the general field? I think it's a very strong field. You you have a little bit of everything. You know, you, you have your uh, uh, middle-of-the-road Republicans. You have your conservative Republicans. You have Republicans that fall under the purview of being a Tea Party Republican, if you will, to you know, for a lack of a better description. Uh, you have some that are very strong economically, and some that are uh, very strong on immigration. I, I think you've got a mishmash, a little bit of everything, which is good because it's causing everyone to perform at their best and once we do arrive at a nominee that person will have earned it and they're going to be tough as nails to beat and i believe that fervently because it's making all of them a better candidate i am pleased about one thing while they are you know they're sort of picking at each other a little bit but i don't want to see it go much further than it's going I don't have a problem with uh, picking at each other a little bit, you know, and saying, well, Rand Paul, you know, you're weak on Israel, or, you know, Rubio, you're weak on immigration. You know, I don't have a problem with that. What I don't want to see is a full-scale nuclear battle where everybody destroys each other and it's mutually assured destruction, and the winner of the nomination comes out so mortally wounded that we can't win. That's what I don't want to see happen, and that's what I'm a little bit of afraid of might happen. Right. Well, I, I really don't think very many of the candidates at this point even look like they want to take that step as far as the go full blast at each other. But I do think that out of desperation, some of the candidates who thought they really had a shot might take some uh, shots across the bow at Trump in particular since he seems to be essentially dominating the field right now. Uh, like I said uh, earlier in the show, I came across one poll. I forget which one it was exactly, and I meant to keep it for, for show purposes, but I lost it in the shuffle of things here. But uh, they now have him as high as 33%, which is an unbelievable high percentage considering you're looking at 16, 17 candidates across the field. Well, that poll, I did see that poll, and I want to say it was a uh, Quinnipiac poll, I believe, Quinnipiac. How do you pronounce that? Help me out yeah. here, Tim. Uh, uh, I, I believe Quinnipiac. that's who did it. Yeah, I believe that's who did it. If I'm not, because I saw the poll that came out, I want to say Thursday, last Thursday or Friday. And I was stunned, too, and they showed the poll on Fox News. 
and uh, I was blown away as well. They showed it on Hannity also. And uh, it stunned me. It does not surprise me, to be honest with you. You know, I, I've been getting calls from all over the country. Ken, why is Donald Trump so popular? What is driving this? You know, any other candidate could have said what he said about Rosie and Megyn Kelly and everybody in his campaign would have been over with. Not Trump. He goes up in the polling. What is going on here? And it's my opinion that America has such a visceral hatred of the United States government in Capitol Hill right now that they would elect Santa Claus. I mean, anybody could have stepped up and they would back them because they're sick of being lied to by politicians, you know, and particularly on the Republican side, the final straw. I think what's done more for Trump's campaign is John Boehner's last campaign for the House and Mitch McConnell. These guys stood up and said, we're going to defund Obamacare. We're going to defund this. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. They backed down on every promise they made. And the Republican Party and Tea Party and anybody to the right of center has just said, that's enough. I'm done. And and they've just thrown in the towel and said, no more. We're not electing another one of you morons to Washington, D.C. if all you can do is lie to us. And that's exactly what's going on, and I believe it. I've talked to so many people daily that are saying the same thing. We're sick of it. We've had 100 years of professional politicians running this show, and what have we got to show for it? You know, we're approaching $19 trillion in debt. Our borders are being overrun. We're not respected globally anymore. It's time for a change. And I believe that's what's happening, Tim. Well, I think you're absolutely right, but you know, you're already touching on it. But my next question for you was, you know, we sure. wanted to get on to the reason why you're really here, and that's to tell us why so many Tea Party types have flocked to Trump. And I think you've already answered a big part of that already. But you know, Trump is not the kind of candidate who would have traditionally appealed to Tea Party folks. And I know I. We had a conversation earlier this week when I was first asking you to come on, and we talked about it some then. And you know, I'm I'm not completely in the Trump camp, although I do like a lot of what Trump has done for this campaign. He's brought a new energy. He's energized some folks. He's got more people looking at Ted Cruz than I think uh, Cruz would have gotten without Trump being in this race as well, which I also think is a good thing. Uh, but you know, when when we look at it, Tea Party folks typically want taxes reduced and they want the constitution to be the guiding principle and basis of what our government does constitutionally limited government is the founding principle of our republic and that's where the tea party folks almost unfailingly fall trump's not really a constitutionalist or at least he hasn't expressed being that in the past and he's not even really by most standards a conservative so it's almost mind-boggling to me that so many Tea Party folks are so strongly for him, and I know you're in this camp, and, and that you're really a big pro-Trump kind of guy. And you know, I I applaud you for taking that stand and getting out there and working for him. But but what is the appeal for the Tea Party? Well, I'll I'll speak for me. Okay, I'm not going to speak for the 40 million odd Tea Partiers out there. I'll just speak for me, and I'll tell you what my issues are. 
Uh, I have heard Trump mention the Constitution. As a matter of fact, he even went so far as to say, I watched him interviewed. Oh, my God, he's been interviewed so many times, but uh, I can't even tell you. It was on one of the nighttime Fox anchors one night a month or two ago. I happened to catch it. And the question was, well, what are you going to do about Obama's uh, pen and cell phone and all of his executive orders? Trump said the first thing I'm going to do is have them reviewed for constitutional principles. Those that are law-abiding and should stand will let stand. Those that are not, and I feel he's overreached constitutionality, then I'm going to strike down. He said, I believe we need to get back to a more constitutional form of governance. And he actually said that. And that's sort of when I started dropping into the Trump camp was then. I do think he needs to come out and say that a little more. I guess he's just assuming that everybody knows it. So he's not really pounding on it. But he does believe that the presidency... Uh, while it does have, you know, far-reaching powers, should be restricted by the Constitution in the format that it's supposed to be. He does believe that. My issue with Trump, and it, I say issue, that's the wrong word, the gravest, and I've written several articles on this and put them up to him, you know, a lot of people think we have this issue, that issue, a lot of issues. The one that is literally threatening to destroy this nation as we speak is an economic one. You know, we, we can talk about ISIS, we can talk about the porous borders, we can talk about energy and a litany of topics. And while all those are of concern and need to be addressed, the one right now that is knocking on our door, our door and literally threatening to destroy our republic is economics. And allow me one minute to explain. The economic issue that we're facing right now, when Obama leaves the White House, we're going to be at $20 trillion in debt. And all the major economists in America agree upon this. It's a done deal. It will happen. That's, that's irrefutable. They also agree on a second part to that. When we hit the magic number, now this is where they disagree a little bit, of somewhere between 24 and 28 trillion and the common theme amongst uh, Paul Krugman right now, the who won the Nobel Prize for Economics and many others right now, are uh, is that if we get to 24 trillion What's going to happen then is our dollar is going to collapse. Now, if you talk to, there's there's businesses that specialize in telling you what will happen. If this happens, what's the next domino to fall? What will happen next, right? If we wake up one morning and our dollar has collapsed, the next thing that happens is, is we enter into what's called hyperinflation. And we're not an anomaly to that. It's happened in Germany. It's happened in Mexico. It's happened in Greece. It's happened to a lot of countries over history, over the last hundred years or so. And what this means, I know you know what it means, but for the public, what this means is you go in today 
and you buy a loaf of bread, and that loaf of bread is $3, right? You go back tomorrow to Kroger to buy another loaf of bread. Now it's $28, and the next day it's $78 because your dollar has become worthless. And this happens when a nation has so much debt and their production has declined to the point where they're no longer able to pay their debt or pay the interest on the debt or anything else. We're rapidly approaching that point. And it's my opinion that Donald Trump is the only one out of this field that's truly capable of stopping this from happening. Because if this happens, what will happen next Everybody has about, as a rule, three, four, five, six days worth of food in the house. Well, they're no longer going to be going to work. Gasoline's going to be totally unaffordable. They're not going to have any food, and you're going to see cities like Chicago empty out. And when this happens, you've got mass national chaos, and you've literally got something going on that the federal government ain't going to be able to handle. When you have a hundred million armed, angry citizens, bad things are going to happen, particularly if they're hungry, armed, angry citizens. And we've got to stop this. It's got to stop. And the only person that I feel like has a handle and knows what to do is Donald Trump, and that's why I'm supporting you. Well, I mean, there's there's no arguing the reasoning there. You know, if you firmly believe he's the strongest candidate to fix that, then he is the guy you should be supporting because there's there's no two ways about it. There will be no republic to save if that happens. So Well, I can and definitely... Tim, the, the tragedy is it's going to happen. There is no disputing. If we continue on the same path we're on, there is no turning it around. You know, Obama wrote legislation or had legislation written in the form of Dodd Frank. Dodd Frank implemented ten thousand over ten thousand new laws, rules, and regulations for companies. And this is what is strangling our growth. You know, people wonder how have we been down this road now for six years and we're not improving. We've got 0.02% growth. What is going on here? And it's because of Dodd-Frank. And there's no way the Democrats are going to repeal Dodd-Frank. It's killing our banking system. Where we're going to end up, like Canada, and we'll have three or four major banks, and they'll ultimately end up being owned by the government. The days of going down to your friendly banker at the corner saying, hey, I'd like to buy a new car or a home, are over with, are going to be over with shortly. Obamacare is strangling corporations. So the reason I'm saying this is that without these rules being struck down and lifted, nothing's going to change. We're going to keep going down this very same path. And none of your politicians, as it were, are able to go to China and totally restructure deals and say, okay, you're coming back. And I'm pointing imaginally toward China right now, and they're talking to the corporations that have all moved over there. In the last 10 years, Tim, 
We've had 179,000 corporations in this country move either south of the border or to the Far East or to Canada. They've moved out 179,000 corporations. Your neighbor, North Carolina, once upon a time, was the leader in America for clothing manufacturing. You know, VF was there, Wrangler, uh, you know, on and on and on. You can't even buy. There's only two companies left in America that makes T-shirts anymore. The rest of them are made in Bangladesh or India or Kashmir or someplace. And we don't have anything made here anymore. How many jobs employed those 179,000 corporations? Well, what Trump has already said he's going to do, he's going to go overseas. He's going to go to Ford Motor Company and tell Ford, you know all those new pickup plants you built in Mexico that's making the Tauruses and the new pickups and all that? You can bring them back to America, or I'm going to implement a 30% duty on those cars. And then you can bring them into America. Either way, it's your choice. Well, what's Ford going to do? They're going to go, well, we're coming back to Detroit. See you next week, Donald. They're not going to have any choice in the matter if they want to keep selling their pickup trucks in America. And that's what's going to have to be done. Now, do you honestly think that Chris Christie has the courage to go to Ford Motor Company and say that? But that's what's going to have to happen to stop this bleeding. We're going to have to bring millions of jobs back virtually overnight, get this country churning productivity again to increase the tax base to stop this from happening. And he's going to lower taxes, I want to say it's to 10 or 15% from 35% where they're at now. Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's no question we need to implement policies that would encourage American businesses to stay in America uh, rather than the current list of policies that do encourage them to take off where it's so much easier and cheaper for them to operate in other countries. So, yeah. Uh, And as far as your question with Chris Christie, I don't know that he has the courage to, uh, to do much more than order a bridge shut down. Uh, he, he likes to uh, he likes to talk tough. He's had a, a hard road to hoe, but Christie is far from a conservative, and he's certainly never been somebody that I would support. Uh, he's one of those folks well, in the field, actually. I know, I know. That's just a, a random thing. I was, I was I, just I sticking on him because I know he's not a factor, and he's going to be gone right. away. So right. I was just sticking on him for a minute. Uh, I did mention when we were talking earlier this week that I'm not com- that I'm not exactly in the Trump camp, and I told you I would ask some devil advocate type questions, uh, try to give that fair and balanced, give you an opportunity to to say exactly how you respond to these. Uh, and one of those questions I think is apropos to ask right at this point in regards to this, and that is as far as the legal standpoint. How do you think Trump could overcome the resistance that he would obviously get from both parties' establishment? In in what regard? When you say resistance, 
I don't understand what regard you're or how you're couching that. I don't. Uh, right. Well, I mean, as far as you know, right now Obama gets support by a lack of willingness to stand up and oppose. Uh, you know, it's not actual support for political purposes, but both the Republicans and Democrats, Democrats stand up tall. They push legislation. They try to help them, and the Republicans just back down and they're not stopping anything. I think. Right. The establishment, the establishment part of both parties in the legislative bodies, I think, would resist every single thing he would try to do, just because they don't like him. Now, I, I know that in my mind, I think he would have to use the bully pulpit of the presidency and have to be on television just about every day of the week, so that the American people would put our elected officials back in charge. But you know, I, I'm just wondering. I know we well, both know okay. there'd be Well, there there probably would be. I mean, there's no doubt Bayer would try pushing back. There's no doubt McConnell would, and uh, whoever you know replaces Harry, uh, dingy Harry. Uh, there, there's no question that they would try pushing back. However, in Trump's case, I think what you're going to have is such an overwhelming victory that the Republican Party is going to say, oh, my God. And you're absolutely right. He's going to go on television. He will call these people out by name. And he'll say, start calling America, just like Reagan did. Reagan did that quite a bit. He used to go on television, I remember vividly, and he'd tell America what he was trying to do. And he'd say, the Democrats are giving me a hard time. Please call them. Well, a couple of days later, the Democrats rolled over and gave him what he wanted because they didn't have any choice. They were being crucified by the American people. And in this case, America is wanting drastic change and very rapidly. And if he is elected, if he wins the nomination and is elected, I think that's going to be such a massive, overwhelming statement to Washington, D.C., that he's going to pretty much have his way, at least for the first couple of years. He'll be able to do whatever he wants to do because of the American people. That's my opinion, and I and I believe it fervently. Okay. Uh, just as an aside to that question, is there any other candidate that's high up in the field that you think could do the same thing? Uh not not that is you know not not that can win it currently. I honestly think that if Hillary doesn't crash if Hillary doesn't crash and she is the nominee and she holds her position where she's at, I think this is another reason I'm supporting Donald Trump because he bridges that gap and i I don't think that any of our other candidates, I'll be honest with you, Tim, I have been very concerned in asking myself who can win because here, here's the thing, and, and this is why the Republican hierarchy wanted Jeb because Jeb can bring the middle, he can bring some blue dog Democrats, and theoretically by their thinking, of course, you and I know differently, uh, you know, the conservatives will come along just to keep Hillary from getting elected. And that's what they thought with Mitt Romney. They didn't realize the Tea Party would sit out 
and basically tell the Republican Party to, you know, go pound sand and not show up at the polls. And they're going to try it again with Jeb. But here's the problem. I love Ted Cruz. I think Ted Cruz is a wonderful man. I think he's uh, a godly man. I think he's a great father. I mean, he's a great patriot. I won't get into the constitutional aspects right now. Is he legal or unlegal or whatever? I'll leave that up to the courts. But but because I'm not schooled enough on that, you know, none of us are constitutional scholars here, so I'll leave that topic alone. I'll just say I think he's a very good man, but I don't think he's electable at this time in our history as president. And the reason I say that is not because he stands for anything bad. I like everything he stands for. It's because he's so far to the right politically that I don't think the numbers are there from the middle to carry him over the top. I just don't think that somebody that would support Jeb Bush is not going to vote for Ted Cruz. That's my point. They're going to vote for Hillary. And there just isn't enough. And and here's the problem. We have to, we have four states we have to carry that we're going to have to convert that we're blue states. Florida, number one. Ted could probably carry Florida, no question about it, because of his Hispanic base. Now we get to Ohio and Pennsylvania. Now we've got a problem. The conservative factions in Iowa would probably carry him in Iowa or come very close to it. Iowa is one of those states that we have to convert from purple to, to red or Colorado. There's a huge Hispanic population in Colorado, particularly in cities of Pueblo and what have you. He would probably carry Colorado, but he's not going to be able to carry Ohio or Pennsylvania. Because he, those are, if you're a Republican, the only way you're going to get those states is you're going to have to be a toned-down Republican. You can't be a hard-charging, far-right Republican. You're going to have to be a Chris Christie or a Jeb Bush. Donald Trump, however, is another story. Because Donald can campaign on the fact that he's union-friendly. He's worked with them for 40 years in New York. He can tell union stories. He can bring the unions into the fold. He'll get Kasich's endorsement, and he can carry where Pennsylvania, where Ohio goes, Pennsylvania usually follows. It's a neighbor state. So he could possibly carry those states. I don't see any of our other candidates being able to do that. And if we can't convert those states, we lose because we have to have that electoral college count. And that's something that a lot of the Tea Party is talking about right now, is the fact that we have to carry these states. We have to pick them up. And the last two elections, they've gone blue. And if we can't convert them, we lose. We can have the world's greatest nominee, Tim, and we lose. Well, I mean, when you break it down and look at it state by state, there's no question you're exactly right. Uh, But, you know, I I still in my heart of hearts 
hope that there'll be some awakening in some of these blue and purple states among the masses that, you know, we've got to turn things around. And I see every day in conversations and on social media and you know, during all these posts, conversations I get to have in person, I see more and more people coming around to the idea. So I keep hoping that well, at some point we can do this, but we're obviously not there yet, and I can't argue with that. Well, here here's something that should make you feel better. You know, one of the big arguments, and I don't know if you were going to ask me this, but this has been one of the Tea Party, you know, one of the Tea Party's principal agendas is, where are you at on the Second Amendment? And you say, well, I'm pro-Second Amendment. Okay, great. We love you then. But wait, wait, wait. Donald wrote in a book back in 1999. He wrote that he wanted to do away with automatic weapons. Yes, he did. Now I'm going to explain why, okay? And he subsequently changed his mind on this, but I will explain why. In 1999 was prior, or 98, whenever he wrote his one of his last books he wrote, he was writing about what was going on in New York City. And this was prior to Rudy Giuliani being elected and changing it. At that time, at that moment in time in New York City, Donald Trump would sit in his office and literally watch more ambulances run up and down the streets and taxi cabs which is quite something for New York City. New York City was an absolute battle zone. And the Bloods and the Crips and different gangs were having wars, and all these guys were using machine guns, and they were killing a lot of innocent people in the crossfire. Donald Trump was a citizen, just a normal, everyday citizen, saying, look, guys, this has got to stop. This is insanity. You know, get get rid of these things because they were killing just as many cops because they had the cops so far outgunned, you know. So if you're an average citizen and you're sitting there and your cops are pulling out 45 revolvers going up against M16s, it, it's not a contest. And your cops are going to die. And that's what was happening. So he was frustrated and he was scared like most people in New York were in that time. New York City, you know, we talk about Chicago today. Chicago pales in comparison to what New York City was in the late 90s. I mean, this thing was a war zone, a literal war zone. for Everybody was having turf wars. And Trump was a concerned citizen saying, look, we got to do something here. And he put it in a book. And today... For what it's worth, Donald Trump is a life member of the NRA. He does have a concealed carry permit, and I don't know if he carries or not, but he's got one. And uh, he's pro-Second Amendment. He's not going to do anything, and I tell all my Tea Party brethren this. Look, when he hits that White House, he's got a lot bigger issues he's going to be worrying about than whether or not you have an AR-15 in your closet. I can assure you, he's got Iran, he's got Russia, he's got China, he's got an economy, he's got Obamacare, he's got a porous border, he's going to be trying to build a wall. He's got all sorts of issues that are much more relevant and, and important than worrying about your AR-15 in your closet in Arkansas so or wherever, you know, 
Mr. and Ms. Patriot happen to be from. And he's not interested, I promise you. The other one is uh, uh, the abortion issue. He is very, very much pro-life. And I, I've been telling everyone, look, you're 40 years old today. Imagine I'm talking to a 40-year-old, and I say, you're 40 years old today. Do you think the same way you did at 21? No. Today, you're a homeowner. You have children. You have a wife. You have responsibilities. You have a career. You have a lot of things going on. You pay taxes. You don't think the same way you did at Donald Trump at 69 with a lap full of grandchildren thinks differently today than he did at 35. And we all do. We all change our viewpoints on topics in life. So I'm going to give him a pass on that. He's come out and said many times he does not believe in abortion except I think he clarified for a rape or incest or the life of the mother. Otherwise, he's not a proponent of it. He wants to get rid of it. He wants to defund at least Planned Parenthood's wing that does that. He doesn't want to supply him with the money to keep going on that. And he stated that very clearly. Now, what he doesn't understand, and he will be shortly, one of the reasons is I'm going to have a talk with his campaign manager and make sure he understands that abortion is, in fact, about 70% of Planned Parenthood's revenue. It's not 3% or 5%, which he was told it was. It's not. And he's going to know that. He probably already does know that by now. But when he made that statement a few weeks ago, I'm sure he wasn't aware of the actual numbers. And uh, But he will be made aware. He will be, I promise you, planning to defund Planned Parenthood. He is not a Democrat. And, and one of the other issues was, well, he donated to Hillary's campaign. And I want to address that real quickly, if I might. Yes, he donated $100,000 to Hillary's campaign, and he invited Hillary to his wedding. Here's the deal. In New York, he could have donated $50 million to Ted Cruz, and Ted Cruz couldn't get 5% of the vote in New York. No offense to Ted Cruz. You're not going to get a hardcore or even middle-of-the-road Republican elected in New York. It is a Democrat state. It's like trying to say, well, I'm going to get Rand Paul elected to the Congress in San Francisco and replace Nancy Pelosi. You you can spend all the money you want, and it isn't going to happen. Right. And that's what he did. You know, his job as a billionaire is to protect his interest, and you have to donate when you're high profile like him, you have to donate to the politicians. And if you don't, then the next time you need something, they're not going to pick up the telephone. And when you donate $100,000 to somebody, believe me, the next time you have an issue and you need senatorial influence in there, he can pick up the phone, call Hillary and say, uh, Hillary, you remember that check I wrote you? Yes, sir, Mr. Trump. What can I do for you, sir? Well, 
I'm having an issue on such and such. I'll take care of it, sir. And that's that's what they do. Warren Buffett does it. Bill Gates, they all do it. Trump's no right. different than any of the rest of them. They donate to both sides of the fence, and Trump does nationally as well. But in New York, he knew Hillary's going to win. So he wants to own Hillary, so he buys Hillary. And that's exactly what happened. It wasn't his love for Hillary. And then he has right. a star-studded, when you go back and look at the date of his wedding, it was a star-studded affair. Boy, he wants to feel important. He wants to invite the senator. It's a sitting U.S. senator from the state. He wants the notoriety. Sure, he's going to be up the phone and invite her. Doesn't mean he loves her. And when she gets there, he's going to be polite to her. He's going to be polite to the former president. He's not going to be rude. And it's ludicrous for these Tea Partiers to think, you know, well, he's in love with the Clintons because he's not. He doesn't agree with Hillary on most everything she does. And I'll tell you something, this Benghazi deal, he's already spoken to that quite a few times. And he said, if he's elected, he's already said he's going to appoint Trey Gowdy as attorney general. And guess what's going to happen? Trey Gowdy is going to be sick on Hillary Clinton like ducks on a gene bug. (laughs) And they're going to get to the bottom of it. And now he's going to have the power of the attorney general seat behind him. And he will get to the bottom of that. And I have a feeling this is one of Hillary's great fears is him being elected because he, she knows what's going to happen. Yeah. There's, there's no question Hillary and uh, Bill both have managed to uh, essentially be Teflon. They've had all kinds of things going on around them that they either didn't know anything about or just coincidence. Nothing's ever been able to stick. I think Trey County gets turned loose with the power of the attorney general. Uh, Leavenworth is a likely uh, forwarding mailing address. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if they would actually prosecute former secretary of state or president. I, I don't know. I would hope not. I know what Hillary's done is horrible. I know what Obama's done is horrible. But, I, you know, I've got mixed emotions on that. On the one hand, I say, yeah, the rule of law's got to stand. you got to do what you got to do. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, you know, it, it it's a black eye for America when we have to do something like that. You know, when you well, have to prosecute a former president, or Secretary of State. I mean, that that's bad. That's real bad. <laughs> I I agree with you, but I think it's an even bigger black eye on America if we have people in the high offices that feel like the law doesn't apply to them, and they get to walk scot free just because they held the office. I think it sends the wrong oh. message. I think the perfect tone would be, okay, we messed up when we put these people in this position. Now we're going to fix it. They they're criminals and they're going to be treated as criminals, same as any other criminal. But I, I fully understand what you're saying, though. It, it, it hurts. Man. It hurts physically to know that this is somebody who held this office and we had to do this. Uh, and I, well, I, I, you, I agree with your assessment, I, and that's why I'm saying I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm torn. You know, you, yeah. you don't want to do that. But still, 
the law is the law, and it's tragic that these people would be in this position and abuse those positions like that. You know, it's it's like the uh, Obama, and remember the Eric Holder and the Fast and Furious thing. You know, these gangs, have you seen that movie Gangland, that documentary that was made? Oh, my yes, God. Sir. And they got their weapons from Eric Holder. And they're yeah. killing people down there right and left. And we supplied the weapons for them. You know, it's ridiculous. Anyway. Uh, and, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I was just going to comment, too, on Fast and Furious. The most ridiculous thing to me about that whole debacle is, first of all, the gun running was illegal in the first place. Holder was protected by Obama utilizing executive privilege, which shouldn't have applied in that place because Obama claimed later that he didn't know anything about it until he read it in the paper. So if he didn't know anything about it until he saw it in the paper, then obviously there couldn't have been a conversation to get executive privilege over. Nobody ever pushed that contradiction. Eric Holder should probably be uh, on his way to federal prison for his role in that right now. Oh, again, no question. No question about that. No question about that. I agree with you. He should be on his way to federal pen. I agree 100%. Well, you know, the, all those devil attribute questions that I told you I would be asking, you've actually answered the majority of what I had focused on and was going to ask I'm about sorry. him. No, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, like I said, I wanted you to have the opportunity to explain exactly why you're supporting, and I have a feeling that that's the same reason why a lot of other folks – and hearing your argument is the kind of thing that can help sway some of the folks that are on the fence. I want people to hear all sides because I think right now is the time we're supposed to do this. We're in the primaries. We need to vet these people. We need to know who they are. We need to know what their chances are, and we need to know why we support them, even when there's questions. We need to be able to respond to the questions. So, I mean, by all means, go ahead, because uh, I was going to ask why he, why you were okay with him having self-identified as a Democrat not that long ago. But you've already responded to that. I was going to ask him why you felt like it was okay that he basically admitted to being part of the problem in D.C. with buying politicians. But you've already touched on that too. So you've answered just about everything except for his support. Of a wealth tax, you know he he. Now this has been several years back though, and it kind of falls under the same thing with the uh, Second Amendment issues that a lot of folks have with him. Uh, I think he may have had time to reconsider that in the meanwhile. I know that's what he said, but for a lot of people, this is a sticking point that is a little bit harder to get past uh, okay. between between the support for the wealth tax and the fact that you know you mentioned the numbers. Uh, he probably wasn't aware of the correct numbers. But he came out and wasn't ready to defund Planned Parenthood across the board initially. Uh, you already touched on that. Um, well, he, I, I do know that you know his thinking today is different than it was you know 15, 20 years ago on a lot of subjects. But a lot of subjects he's uh, he's still the same on them. And uh, one of the interesting ones was somebody put up on Facebook. You probably saw this an old interview that he did with Oprah back in, oh my goodness, it had to have been like 88 because he was talking about Ross Perot and 
George Herbert Walker running, and you mentioned Bill Clinton. So I'm thinking it's the election of of uh, 88 or 92 or something back in there. But yeah. he, he made some comments about quite a few subjects in the videos floating around YouTube. You could probably pull it off of YouTube by entering Donald Trump and Oprah Winfrey and then look for a young picture of a young Donald Trump. Uh, but his viewpoints were strikingly similar then as they are today. And she asked him quite a few questions about social issues and and uh, taxes and economic issues. And he was very forthright, and he answered them just like he is today. And his answers were almost identical to what he's been saying today on quite a few of these issues. But one of the big ones that I keep being asked is, why is he running? I mean, really, why is Donald Trump running for president? Why? He's already got a big airplane, so he doesn't need Air Force One. He's already got a big house, probably more square footage than the White House, truth be known. I know his Florida home has more square footage. So why is this guy running for presidency? It's because he's an egomaniac, right? No. Donald Trump's already in the history books. He will always be in the history books as one of the youngest, most successful billionaires America ever produced. He's he's already built a legacy. That's not why he's running at all. If you stop and think about it, if a person stops and thinks about it, if I'm Donald Trump, why don't I want to run for the presidency? Well, remember that economic thing we had early on in this conversation? The minute the dollar collapses, Donald Trump becomes broke. So everything he worked his lifetime to build to give to his children and grandchildren in the blink of an eye goes away. And that's what he's trying to save and preserve. He's got a selfish reason for running, but he loves America. You know, he actually went to a military school in high school in New York. He he loves the military. He went to college and back in, during the Vietnam War, they had the draft. And if you were a college student, you didn't have to go. And uh, not saying it was fair, that's just the way it was. And uh, he was in college, and he went to the Wharton School of Business and what have you. And uh, it wasn't his wealth or privilege that kept him out of college, or the war. It was the fact he was a college student. Uh, I had a cousin that went to Vietnam and a cousin that didn't go. One was in college and one wasn't. So long story short, He's trying to preserve your legacy for your children, my legacy for my children, his legacy for his children, because he knows that when that happens, if that happens, everything goes away instantly, and we might very well end up in a full-scale revolution, and he doesn't want to see that happen either. That's why he's running, because he knows he can fix it. He knows he knows in his heart of hearts that he can make this right again. And that's why he's doing it. It doesn't benefit him to become president. Man's earning $400 million a year right now. It's not the money. He's spending a billion of his own money to do it. 
because he's trying to save America. And that right there is the principal reason. Anybody that will do that for the country, I take my hat off to. Because that's the very same thing George Washington did. He didn't want to be president. And he said so. He served because they asked him to serve. Not because he wanted to. He was wealthy. He owned a beautiful estate. He wanted to go home. He had just fought a war. He didn't want to do all this. He wanted to go home. Yeah. Well, I mean... There's obviously not very many reasons why anybody would want to put themselves out there, the type of scrutiny that this campaign will put on you, unless you do have a passion. I certainly hope that that passion is directed towards America. I think that may very well be part of uh, Trump's uh, motivation. I seriously question it when it comes to the man who's currently occupying the White House. But at any rate, Agreed. Uh, the... The show's kind of winding down at this point. I've just got a few minutes left, so I want to take this time to thank you again, uh, Mr. Crow, for coming on. Uh, if anybody, if anybody wants to uh, find your regular political writings, where should they look? Ah, it's easy. Crowsnestpolitics.com. And I have one other for you. We recently, with the power of patriotic warriors, uh, I'm kind of a spokesperson, uh, advocate for him. But we formed something called Citizens for Trump, and it's citizensfortrump.com. And it's grassroots. It's all grassroots. So we want you to come over there and pledge to vote and support Donald, support the organization. We want to hold some big events coming up prior to the, prior to the uh, primary starting on his behalf of which he'll be at, and uh, we'd love to have you get involved in that as well, but crowsnestpolitics.com, come on over. Come on All right, and, and anytime you've got an upcoming uh, event that you want to promote, you want to come back on the show and talk about, you're welcome to, just let me know. Thank you, Mr. Tapp. It's an honor, and to all of your fans, you got a great patriot here leading the charge on your behalf. Tim Tapp, and we're tickled to have you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your time. And it's always a joy and honor to speak to you, sir. And uh, also, everybody, don't forget, if you haven't already checked out TeaPartyCommunity.com, get over there, sign up. If you like Facebook, you're going to love it. You're going to find it similar. You're just not going to have to deal with all those liberals <laughs> that are giving you a hard time all the time. And, uh, Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you again real soon, Ken. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Ken Crow, TeaPartyCommunity.com, Crow's Nest Politics, and just generalized Trump supporter. (laughs) And unlike a lot of folks in this business, I don't hold that against you. I'm still not quite on board, but I'm more than happy to make sure that everybody gets vetted properly. In the meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Take a little time, do your own research, use your brain, and always be prepared to put in at least a little bit of effort if you're actually going to tap into the truth. God bless everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you again next week, and I'm out of here. We need a miracle. 
I'm hoping for a miracle. Here's a miracle.